As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Wise Men Say podcast. Um, Stephen's not here, so you've got Gareth Barger uh, presenting this week. That's me. That's my name. If you didn't know who it was already, um, I am a very forgettable person. So it's it's best to remind people at the start. And it's, it's as forgettable as someone's performance was. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I didn't see it because it was a child's birthday party. So I'm just being honest. But Rory was there, and we've also got Phil Smith from the Sunday Echo who was. There, um, it sounded a lovely afternoon. It, it was apart from the match. Like Burton is fantastic for a match. Like even if you don't go to watch Sunderland play, I'd recommend going to Burton for a match. The um, there was a really nice sort of little microbrewery thing when me when me uh, Stephen and Craig went down to Stoke to do the Dennis Smith interview. Part two out soon. Good Hopefully plug. next week. Very good plug. Part one is out now. Though, so make sure you listen to that if you haven't already. Um, we went to this. His dad lives in Burton, so we went yeah, there, yeah. went to Burton for a few drinks after. And um, yeah, there was a, this little sort of weird sort of micro brewery thing in this place, and it was great. And we yeah. sat out the back and had a weird conversation with somebody who uh, <laughs> believed that phones were possessed by the devil. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was a good night. <laughs> yeah, overall, because overall. of that. I mean, it is full of. Well, was and kind of still is like, well, it's the brewing capital of yeah, the yeah. UK, but it used to be like the brewing capital of the world, obviously. Yeah. So, like, the pubs are just fantastic. Yeah. Like, for that reason, I would say yeah. go to a match in Burton if you can. Yeah. I know this is a Sunderland podcast. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be advertising Burton so much, but it's a modern ground that still has terracing. So, the atmosphere was really good as well. It's just a shame that, unlike last mm. season, you couldn't, Sunderland couldn't round the day off perfectly. Mm. Was there any, has, has Ben or Barnsley in the car back ever suggested that phone's possessed by the devil, Phil? Uh, no, no, that's, uh, that, that would be a new one, but we did have the, <laughs> <laughs> we, 
we did have the misfortune of listening to uh, to six or six on the way back, and sometimes sometimes sort of listening to six or six with Benno is more entertaining than the actual <laughs> the actual radio show itself. Uh, I'm sometimes tempted to sort of ring in just to just to wind them both up in the front, but no, Burton's. Uh, it's a shame really because Burton is definitely the best. I think other than Fulham, it's my favourite away day. I think yeah, in the country, Fulham's a good shout, yeah. But, and particularly at the moment because obviously the the press box is so close to the dugouts, and Nigel Clough is the funniest man to listen to because he is just so brutal. It's unbelievable. I have never, honestly, your ears are burning listening to him. I have never known anyone just dig his players out for 90 minutes relentlessly. I don't think I've heard him make one positive comment the three times I've been there. So I always enjoy that. And honestly, after Chris Maguire's goal at the weekend, he came out the touchline and started having a go at, uh, at Damien McCrory. I couldn't even begin to repeat what he was saying. So that, that's always an entertaining aspect of the afternoon when you go to Burton. I might well have been the only two entertaining aspects of the game um, by the sounds of it because... So we felt our first defeat of the season. Um, you know, one defeat in eight, <clears throat> not too bad. But I think the expectation levels this season that we've kind of set and have been kind of brewing, you know, with the stuff that's going on off the pitch um, and, you know, the great start that we've had maybe means the reaction after the game was maybe some people going a little bit overboard in, in the criticism. Um, is that down to the fact that the players just didn't show what they've shown in, in terms of effort and desire in the game? I think it was their first proper stinker. The first one where they just really didn't turn up. Obviously, you had you know, the Oxford game where they started poorly. Max Powell got himself sent off, what have you. Fleetwood, they started poorly as well. But this was the first one where they just pretty much there wasn't a player on the pitch who was at it in the first half, which I think is probably why the reaction was as strong as it was because that's not something we've really seen this season. I think, obviously, there's a fact it was the third game in a row without a win. And I think in the background as well, the kind of the, the Ndong and Jilabodji kind of scenario, I think it's all felt a little bit last season, the last few weeks. I think maybe that, obviously, we all kind of bought into the feel-good factor after the takeover, and there was a lot of reasons for that. And I think much of all that positivity is still there to an extent. But I think a few things have maybe crept in the last few weeks that have maybe just kind of been a bit of a reality check probably reminded how much there is still to do um and i don't know what you guys think is kind of supporters but i think it's maybe just tempered the mood a little bit i do feel there's been a little bit of a hunger though for around the jillibodgin and dong stuff for, from some section support to be <clears throat> kind of go on about it and get really excited about the fact that yeah yeah, yeah that sort of thing and i think because we've Things have changed so much over, you know, over time that that really is something that has stuck out. It's almost like a siege mentality. You know, we've changed. The club's changed. The way we, everything is has changed. So now we're going to like hold these two up as an example of what the club used to be, and you know, kind of hang them out dry. Now I'm not saying that the behaviour is excusable at all, but maybe getting bogged down a little bit too much in that thirst for blood. When it comes to those two, I guess people, you're going to notice know. notice those things. It, it, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that, Phil. It's not something I'd thought about personally with the Indong and Jillabodji situation, but it would have been interesting to see. And obviously, the club put the statement out about Jillabodji, and you can't really ignore that. But it was kind of rumbling on in the background before that. I wonder if we had beaten Oxford and had 
beaten Fleetwood if people would have been that bothered about them it's almost like when mm. you're not in as good form you're looking for distraction almost so you start looking at those things off the pitch and think well if we didn't have people like that hanging around maybe we'd have like better players in because we've had like more wages and to wages available and things like that um I think the main thing on Saturday for me though was Maguire scoring after 54 minutes and we just did nothing after you would think right we're back we've got ourselves a bit of a lifeline let's put them under the cosh and we just there was nothing there a couple of that one set piece where we had a bit of a scramble and I think it was Catamol fired one wide but McGeady I think McGeady yeah, and yeah. just nothing after that it's interesting when you watch the highlights back <laughs> on the um, club website there's just barely anything after the goal um and that really, to be fair, is a bit of a anomaly. We've been creating chances quite a lot, so you'd hope it's just a bit of an off day. And obviously, you don't want you don't want to lose games, but we've lost the game now, so you might as well start trying to dig positives out of it. And hopefully, it's just a bit of, kick, of a kick up the arse for them. We can't keep going behind in games and looking to fight back. So hopefully, they take that now and be like, hopefully, in a in a we can turn the fact that we didn't get a result into a positive. That, the fact that we haven't got away with it like we did against more against Oxford than against Fleetwood, I guess, because Fleetwood, you could argue we should have won the game. But even that, we had the penalty save. So we've roared our luck for a few games. That's That was going to come to an end at some point. And now that it has, hopefully there's no complacency against Rochdale, who are banging mid-table. They're coming off the bat of a good win. Beat Gillingham 3-0 yeah, did, at the yeah. weekend, I believe. First career hat-trick for Ian Henderson of Rochdale, who's oh, well. played about a billion games for Rochdale. Going to be coming, mm. coming to the stadium yeah, life. Yeah. They always recognise him because he wears number 40 and he has done, for you, I think he's had about 600 appearances for Rochdale. It was his first hat-trick. Oh, well, well done to him, but hopefully it's not, yeah. not the same to, on to Saturday. Honest, I'd be more worried about the Rochdale striker who hasn't scored in like 15 years or something because yeah. he would definitely we'll be, yes, he would definitely be a more likely candidate to start banging them in on <laughs> Saturday. That's a job for Frankie for Thursday. If you're listening, Frankie, dig out the out-of-form uh, Rochdale striker who's yeah. going to break his duck well we've moved on from that to now conceding first in pretty much every game and conceding from set pieces I mean the one at the weekend was the worst one we've conceded I mean it was a lollop into the box and then a header from 15 yards I mean well the the defender's not even off the ground I think that's the most if he sort of got a run on somebody and got above them and then you kind of say well that's frustrating but the fact that he hasn't even hadn't hadn't to get off the ground is is really concerning it was something i think that they'd actually worked a lot on during the week which in some ways obviously is quite quite distressing really you'd almost rather they weren't and it was something they could put right but i think clearly it's it's interesting as well because saturday was for the first time really when you're looking at it and thinking actually this shouldn't be an issue because Sunderland didn't really have a problem with height i didn't think in the team you had Baldwin and Leuven's at centre half. You had White and Sinclair on the pitch. Catamol and Honeyman are right, aren't they? Aren't the biggest, but Catamol's quite good in the air. Catamol tends to be quite good at defending set pieces, so it was it was an interesting one really because it it was they didn't really give up a massive height advantage like they have in most games this season. So it was a bit uh, bit disturbing to kind <clears> of see that be a problem. But I think for me, the big positive is I think Jack Russell learned more from that game and from certain performances from certain players than he will have done in any other game this season. Um, I think playing Oviedo was a massive mistake. I know he's been good this season, but he was nowhere near, nowhere near 
his normal levels. Obviously, he'd been in South, am, yeah. South Korea earlier in the week, so I guess that's kind of in mitigation. I don't think Adam Matthews was strong enough at right back. Well, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him and say no, he's the reason him, he lost the game. By what, it, was it was it him who lost his man again? Do you think for the goal he seemed to be around that area? I, 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 I I'm not sure. I think playing him and Oviedo is a big ask. To be honest, together, I think you lose a lot defensively. Again, it's not to say he's the reason they lost the game, but I just I would like to see Flanagan play on Saturday. I think that would be good. And these are just the little things I mean. I think he'll have looked at it and say, can I play Catamol and Honeyman as a two in midfield in future? Probably no. not. So the, the, the positive for me is, and it's not clutching straws to say, I think he'll have learned an awful lot about his squad, what he can do, what he can't do, and what he needs that maybe he won't have learned from previous games. So I would expect there to be a few changes for Saturday, and, and and you know, as you said, there. Hopefully, it's the kick up the backside. Hopefully, it's a little bit of the reality check that was needed to sort a few things out that that do need sorting out. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So on the point, I guess, about the discussion around whether it's a, a kick up the backside and all that kind of thing. At the same time, we're in the game of 2-1. We somehow get an equaliser. It's 2-2. Say we finish the game 2-2 or even go on to win the game. Even a draw, I would say people would be saying, well, at the end of the season, we'll be looking back at the Burton game and saying, we should well, have been better. Well, 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 no, we wouldn't be, would we? We'd go maybe that shows that these are the kind of games would we get results in when we hadn't played well that got us promoted or into the top two or into the top six um i guess the exception to that is the teams that do that only do it on occasion and we've done it really three games on the bounce now so i don't know if it still would have been fair to make that assessment if if it was so consistent because other teams tend to do that when they've come off the back of some comfortable wins and then a team knows how to set up against them and you know they've frustrated them and they've still grinded out the result it's not really what we've been doing recently um to go back to height though and the defense it did feel like it was a bit of a last chance for Matthews I thought given just I think we spoke about it on here his form has been poor recently and Flanagan coming in would just give us that extra bit of cover, give Oviedo a bit of freedom, or even Hume if he decides to play Hume next week instead of Oviedo. I, Fl- I, I like Hume, um, but I'd be thinking of Flanagan, I think, just for the height. And in that system, you know, when he wants to play kind of a... Like if, if Oviedo goes on and he wants to 
having one more and sort of defensive tucking yeah. in, then then that would make sense because he's more of a centre back, and they'd kind of be a three, bit of a lopsided. Yeah, which is what of, he said as well that he's, yeah. that he's wanted. Yeah, I think I think Flanagan's the the perfect fit for that system. Like you say, he should allow Oviedo to stay really high, and he should allow Gooch to stay really high in front of him as well. Um, I think if you were to analyse the game and say, in terms of personnel, what's the one thing we could do that I think would make an impact straight away, I would say it probably would be bringing Flanagan in. Um, but I think as well, I think there's a, obviously on Saturday there was a bit of an issue with the midfield. Um, and so obviously everyone can see it. You know, There was a bit of an issue with physicality in the first 20 minutes. But actually what I thought someone were crying out for as much as anything was someone just to put their foot on the ball a little bit and just take the sting out of the game a little bit for a few minutes. Obviously, McGeoch was injured and Max Power suspended, which means he doesn't really have those options. But I think at the moment, it just feels a little bit to me like Sunderland for too long in games, they're playing on the opposition's terms. And I thought Saturday was a perfect example of that because the first half, Sunderland were kind of reduced and uh, they were playing long balls into Charlie Wyke. And that's exactly what McFadzine and Turner want you to do they're two defenders with no pace whatsoever they want it to be in the air they want it to be in front of them the last thing they want is to get Madger playing one twos is to get players running in behind them so I think at the moment Sunderland have got a little bit of a problem in imposing themselves in games and they just seem to be it's a little bit too reactive um, and sort of playing on the opposition's terms and I thought Saturday was another really good example of that the way they played in the first half was absolutely what Burton wanted them to do do you think maybe we're a little bit too relaxed uh, in games do you think I wouldn't say it's overconfidence but I, I do think we're, we are quite casual um, and I don't think it's the fact we're overawed I, I, I don't know if it's an intentional thing where we're thinking well we know that this team are going to come out and burn themselves out and we'll just dig in for mm. 20 minutes and then once that once they've run out of steam, we'll... But it's we'll, during we'll out, that time. But, then, but we keep conceding the goals. Yeah, I said it on here last week. We, we're getting, a lot of the time, dragged in to the occasion that other teams want to make it. I think it was less of that on Saturday because we were away from home, but certainly in the home games, we've, like I say, we've let those opposition teams drag us into the occasion. Against Burton, it wasn't even that that difficult. Like you said, Phil, we just banged long balls up to Charlie Wyke, who was struggling to get onto them. And well, then, that, it's an interesting point about White. I mean, he's a very different striker to Madger. Um, how, when we brought him in, he was obviously a top target. Have we just brought him in because, well, I guess there's another point in conversation given what happened to him at the weekend anyway, so it might be irrelevant. Um, did we bring him in because to play with Madger or did we bring him in as a different kind of player in the system with one up front? Because he seems like some, a box player, somebody yeah. who's going to feed on, you know, deliveries. Um, he doesn't really seem like a player that, like a Jack Ross type player. Um, even though we don't know that much about him, but he, he seems to like more mobile players. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Ross seems to be some. I mean, there's obviously a reason he's brought White in. I guess part of that was that he felt there'd be a lot of crosses going at the box. There'd be a lot of loose balls in the box with Sunderland having so much pressure and territory in games but he doesn't look to me like and I know we've only had Jack Ross in for a few months but he doesn't seem to me like a typical kind of Jack Ross forward in the way that Sinclair would be Madge would be Gooch would be players who naturally can interchange mm. and can take five minutes to drop a bit deeper or switch to the other flank and again I think that just kind of goes back to my my point about what I was saying earlier about you know kind of the long balls in the first half is that it doesn't feel like Sunderland 
are playing their way a lot of the time. We saw for 15 minutes at the end of the first half at Fleetwood where I thought they I thought they could have it felt like they could score at any point. They were playing their way. Quite a high line. The wide players were really really high hugging the touch line and Fleetwood really struggled. Mm. And I know it's easy to say oh just do that all the time be really good. But you do kind of think well how how can we set up and how can we go about games so that Sunderland are playing the way they want to play rather than having to respond to what the opposition are doing. Because I think the last three weeks there hasn't been long enough in games where they've done that and not a pin it on Wyke, but I think part of that has been the problem. It's been too easy to pop a long mm-hmm. ball up to him or whatever. Do you think that's why I went for the three behind him, not necessarily to be... I think we all saw the starting eleven of, obviously, Wyke up front with Sinclair, Magigooch as wow, that's really bold. Do you think Jack Ross just saw it more as essential? He's going to need those quicker, pacey players getting in behind him, either getting off, well, getting it, on flick-ons and, or well, like you well, say, picking up the loose ball. Because I, I, that's that's how I kind of saw it going when I saw the team sheet, but I was surprised when we kicked off because it was a much more orthodox 4-4-2 than I was expecting. Sinclair and Gooch, were, they weren't playing as, as wingers, they were playing as midfielders. Mm. Um, I mean, Sinclair didn't do enough, but at the same time, he's getting the ball passed into him in his own half. And you're thinking, what a waste of his ability that is, because again, that's exactly what the Burton defence want. What they don't want is him running in behind. Well, that, ironically, playing a long ball, the long ball is probably to him, and it isn't a wike. Well, to, yeah, to be yeah, effective, you yeah, know, exactly. to get, get in behind them, because they don't want to be turned. Like you say, the two centre-backs are going to head, head everything away all day. You know, they're two players who've been at that level, probably, especially McFadden, he came from, I think, non-league, didn't he? He might have even been at... Um, FC United, I could be wrong. He was the MK Don, so they get him from there was for he? a bit as well. So he's, but yeah, he's, you know, but they, they'll, yeah. they'll sit, they'll sit there and head balls away yeah. all day. So you bet you got, you got to turn them. And but it's, you know, is is it is it a a tactical instruction or is it just a a laziness or a panic? You know, I think we've seen that over the years at Sunderland where players are taking easy options. Rather than playing playing the way they want to play and, and playing to the strengths. Well, if you if you're not on form and if you if you're going to make it difficult for yourself by conceding that early goal, you, you're going to find it harder to play for your strengths. You're not going to grow into the game, or by the time you grow into the game, it's going to be too late. So it sounds very simplistic, mm. but if we stop conceding that early goal, the more opportunity we're going to... So I've read a lot about that, that one. Everyone said it, obviously, but how... It's not that simple, yeah. How do you do it? If it was that easy, they wouldn't be doing it. Oh, yeah, And then the other team wouldn't be letting us score on either. It would just every game be (laughs) nil-nil. So, yeah, it's... It's about... It's a simple problem if you look at it from the set-pieces thing because the the volume of goals we've conceded from set-pieces. I mean, another one at the weekend um, so I mean I can't even remember what the first goal was I was like Baldwin fell yeah, in it, it, yeah, it which I thought it was a little bit unlucky mm, with just uh, didn't get enough on it yeah. I mean the, the, the fundamental problem there was that Sodell should never have been in that yes. position to play that cross and just went back to what I said I think for the first time really there were a few calls from Ross on Saturday that would just just look to be wrong, you know. Mm. And I thought picking Oviedo was one of them. Obviously, we all know how good a player Oviedo is, but to me, he didn't look ready to play in that kind of intensity game, whereas I think Hume would have been a much better bet. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's an awful lot an awful lot to work on for sure. But like I say, I think the big thing is hopefully you'll have learned a lot about the team, which might turn out to be a positive in the long run. I mean, looking at the team again as well on on Saturday, it looked exciting because it's got a lot of attacking players in. And then as the game goes on, you think, well, have we got the balance wrong in this game? Because you but you're pretty much playing four two four really, aren't you, with the players that you picked? Um. Is that just a case of the manager wanting to, you know, go right? We're going to bulldoze this team. We're going to put these in, or is it was it a tactical decision based on, you know, what what Burton's weaknesses were, um, and and we've researched that and decided we're going to start that eleven. I, I don't know. I think it seemed like that. Like we're saying, you know, the, the likes of Madger, Gooch, Sinclair getting at them with pace they wouldn't have wanted, and if you've got. Wyke providing the physical presence. I think it would be interesting to see how we do with that front four with Max Power in midfield, which obviously didn't have the option of because he was suspended, but just Power giving us a little yeah. bit of presence in the middle because you're not going to get the physicality out of Honeyman. Camel doesn't have the same amount of guile on the ball that Power is. He's not as good at just getting up and down the pitch or getting, you know, like Power's goal against um, against Gillian with that finish from the edge of the box. Obviously, Catmull did score two mm. goals against Wimbledon, but they are different types of players. So maybe when we do have that midfield, hopefully more settled, and we get that chance to with you know Power and Power and Catmull, Power and McGeoch, I think would have to be the two. Um, it would be interesting to see if we'd be able to calm the game down, if we'd be able to dictate it a bit more, and then be able to bring those attacking players into the game. Because we've talked about Wyke and Sinclair, but I thought. It's a second game running that Gooch has been really poor. Different reason to why he was against Fleetwood. He was plenty involved against Fleetwood. He just his decision making was wrong. On this game, he was just anonymous. He didn't really notice him that he was on the pitch at all, and that might not necessarily not necessarily be his fault. Because, like I say, we were struggling to get a hold of the game in midfield. But it would have been maybe nice to see him go looking for it a little bit more to try and drag us back into the game, which isn't his total responsibility, but. You'd maybe like to see a little bit, a little bit more intent from him. Well, now we've got, we didn't really have options on the wing before, but Maguire's dropped now because Sinclair's come in because Sinclair's back, so there's an option. Obviously, McGee came back the weekend. I mean, what was what was he like? Was it sounded to me? Again, I'm going off the radio in this instance, so you're going to have to be my eyes and your opinion will be more, you know, succinct than mine probably. But um, it sounded as though he was picking the ball up very deep. Um, yeah, he was, and you know you. For McGeady, you want him picking the ball up 40, 30 yards from goal and getting turned and going at people. Um, and it sounded, obviously, first half, you said Sinclair was picking the ball up deep. So changing the player didn't change that fundamentally. The the, the, the threat was still not there because the player was picking the ball up too far away from goal. I think um, I think it was a bit of a... I think it was... Well, it was a, it was an absolute Hail Mary substitution, really, because there's absolutely no way he was ready physically to play that long in the game. But I think what Jack Ross was hoping... And to be fair, I think it did for 10 minutes or so. I think what he was hoping was just having McGeady on the pitch would lift teammates a little bit it might lift the fans if you could go past one player go past two players it might just be a little bit of a spark and I thought he did do that actually but as the half went on it increasingly looked like someone who was needed a little bit too long on the ball and that that's just a fitness thing but I, th- I think more than anything else it was Ross just trying to shake things up a little bit trying to spark a reaction um, 
But I think the what you mentioned about players kind of picking the ball up too deep, I think that was kind of the problem all the way through the game, really, with Sunderland just weren't getting in areas to hurt Burton. Burton were comfortable all the way through. But at the same time, we're talking about a guy who's had no pre-season whatsoever. He's been injured for four months. He's had trained for a week. Um, he's not really had any, he's not had any under-23s game time, no behind closed doors games. And yet for 10, 15 minutes, he was still just like dancing like past people like they weren't there. You know, his quality is his quality for this level is is absolutely frightening. And I think he's someone who enjoy playing for Jack Ross because Jack Ross does give his attackers a lot of freedom. We're seeing that with Gooch. Gooch at the moment probably has a habit of overplaying a little bit. He's probably taking one too many touches. He's probably trying to take one too many player on. But that's partially because of the freedom that Ross gives them. And I think he'll argue that that'll come off over the course of the season. So again, that's just one of those things where you're looking at saying, well, over the winter period... You know, having someone like that is going to make a massive difference, and that's going to be a strength that other teams probably don't have. I mean, you look at the the point you made about McGeady, though, in terms of the fitness, you can apply that to an extent to Sinclair. He certainly apply that to Charlie White, who have, yeah, absolutely, yeah, they've had more. They've had more games. White in particular has had more games. Um, but there's three players in that front three at the weekend who really haven't had a lot of preseason, haven't had a lot of football. No. McGeady actually last year didn't have much of a preseason, did he? That seems it like such a long time. I don't think he joined. Well, I don't well, think he yeah, joined. He, he came in after. He joined after us. Grayson he dragged on, didn't he? Right. Grayson obviously was um, quite a late appointment, so yeah. He dragged on, and I think he was, his first pre-season game was that Celtic game, I think. You're right, because he was in dispute with Everton, wasn't he? He yeah. wanted them to. He wanted a payment, didn't he, for his yeah. the wage shortfall? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So, you know, that was that's another issue there. Um, but he, you know, he was our best player at the start of last season. He doesn't seem like the kind of player who needs is going to need a lot of football to get back into his stride. The kind of player he is, obviously, the fitness in games, yeah, the, lack, the lack of preseason yeah. will be a big thing for for any player, no matter what your yeah. style is yeah. or or your position. But they'll be, work, I'm sure they'll have you know things in there that they can do to try and get him up to speed um, quicker. And we're going to need more forward options with. What happened to White at the weekend? I mean, early indications that it's not a break; it's a ligament. And you know, whatever school of thought you're mm-hmm. from, you could argue a ligament injury is probably more damaging than a break. So, um, if it is a the knee, disgraceful uh, challenge as well. well by the way, it's I, worth I, touching I, upon how a goalkeeper gets away with that. If that's a defender sliding in like that, you know, that's a, yeah. a, a book and possibly even a sending off, and we didn't even get a free kick for it just because. It's a, goal it's, it's a goalkeeper and it's desperate. It's still a very reckless, dangerous challenge that has led to a player getting sent well, off. You can a... say he's challenging for the ball, but he's nowhere near it. Wyke knocks, gets there way before him and not get past him. Remember the one last season when Watmore just came back against Preston and he went hair and down the left yes, to chase yeah, a loose yeah. ball yeah. and yeah, the keeper's yeah. gone full Ralph Schumacher and absolutely poleaxed him. Yeah. I think that might have been one of his first games back. It, might it was, it was his first, first game back. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was. And uh, yeah, he was absolutely flattened and I think they got a throw in. Yeah, yeah there's no foul. foul. Yeah, yeah, and, right. and, and so, yeah, it's obviously, uh, with keepers, it, it's a weird thing that yeah. they get away with more the judge differently for, that. I think the incident in itself, because he's not the ball pass to keeper, maybe the, that's distracted things, but they, they don't have a problem pulling the game back and he should have no, pulled the game back. And totally says, you know, I know he couldn't send them off if he pulled it back because if you've let the player go on, I think because mm. you, you, I don't think you can retrospectively send someone off. I think you've got to like do it there and then. You got to stop the game if you've deemed that challenge bad enough. Mm. Um, but now, 
we could be without Charlie White for the rest of the season if yeah. he's done his knee. And that's our biggest fee of the summer. Yeah. Probably our star signing. And it means we don't, respects. for as much as we do have depth in most areas, we don't have to in the middle. Don't we don't really up front. We're desperate for him to come back. Yeah, exactly. So you're waiting un- until January well, now and then. Well, you're waiting for what more? But it, it, when's he going to be fit exactly. by? When, November, maybe. I know he's obviously coming. He's doing work um, with the ball on the training yeah. ground now, but he's been out for a year. With a, well, he's essentially been out for two, two years, years, hasn't he, really? Yeah. It's going to be a while until he's fully up to speed, and you probably ideally want to wait and give him time and not so as not to repeat anything and make sure he's 100% before he comes back in. So you're looking really until... January sort of Christmas just two up front and I then think, hopefully in January we've got Jillabodji and Ndong sorted because mm. apparently that's could hamper our January business if their wages are still on the books so well to be fair though on the other hand there was a suggestion that we were told we could well not we were told Jack Ross was told he could sign a strike if he wanted a striker but he didn't want to buy one because he didn't there wasn't anybody out there who he wanted and he wanted to try and work with Josh. So um, people will have judgments on that maybe and say, well, look at look at the situation we are in now. But then if you're bringing in, we've been in a situation as a club so long where we've had these players who've just appeared to be third, fourth choice sit on the bench. Matthew Kilgallen sort of in, players. In sitting there, you know, Ben Jarnies and yeah. people think, like that, you know. It's, um, it, it was a, quite a... It was an interesting situation. I, I was very much someone who said, don't bother getting another one because the last thing you want is to bump Madger down the pecking order, particularly when you need him to sign a new contract. And obviously this was the risk. I think, to be quite honest, not to do wipe down because we've mentioned the fitness issues and I'm sure what we're seeing at the moment is nowhere near him at his best. I think someone can cope without him as long as Madger and Sinclair mm. stay fit. I think obviously if one of them gets injured, it would be a big issue. I don't think... In the end, Ross would have been able to get another striker if he'd wanted to. I think they were ex- he was under the impression for a while and Sunderland were under the impression that if he'd wanted another striker, he could have got one. Towards the end of the window, he then decided he wanted someone a little bit more versatile, which is obviously where the Ryan Christie came in. He was someone who could play pretty much anywhere across the front line. But as it happened, the way things developed within Dong and Jilabodji, it was pretty pretty certain that they mm. couldn't bring anyone in. Um, and that's going to be interesting going forward into January. I know moving things along, but looking at somebody like Magidi, you know, if January comes around and you're still, the Indongjula Bodji situation is still ongoing, is someone like Magidi someone you might have to make a sacrifice well, on? Him and Catmull and Oviedo. Exactly. They'll come onto the agenda again in um, terms of them, them leaving the club, Because certainly the squad's still a little bit imbalanced because players who they thought would leave haven't left. So, for example, if you knew Oviedo was going to stay, would you have signed Reese James? Possibly not. So it's in, there is that imbalance to the squad, and January is going to be a very interesting month. The way things stand, potentially more so because of outgoings than in, incomings, because they might have to do some shuffling to be able to to get that balance to the squad. And certainly, like I say, I, I think someone can cope without Wyke. I think Magis Sinclair and the way Ross likes his forwards to be really flexible and fluid. I think it's something they can get through. But you are one injury away from thinking. You know, being in, in real bother. I mean, one solution, and it seems like a bit of a an obvious thing. Most creative player, and we've seen it over the years with other creative players. Some have had to say, "Oh, give them the free roll, put them in the ten, 
and letting them try and run the game. You know, if you had McGeady just sitting in that space and off Madger, and that might be quite a a nice solution to the problem if he wants to play with a more advanced. I, I don't really see Sinclair as somebody who's playing off like off a player. He seems no. like quite. You know, he's at the head of the attack. I mean, Magic would drop in behind if you want to play like a four-four-one-one. Well, like you're saying, Phil, if, they, if, they, if they're fluid yeah. and, and you've got that front four and they're able to be versatile and if Jack Ross wants his forwards to be versatile and if that fluidity will be key, if you can have McGeady sitting there, but with Magic dropping deep, with Sinclair and Gooch getting into the space, that, as for example, as your four could work, but it's all about how fluid they're going to be and... Obviously, when when everyone's when players like McGee are fully fit, and then hope and other players stay fit as well. We've got to yeah, exactly. We've got to hope the players stay fit because we've we've waited for people to come back, and now we've and then we've lost people. Um, so working on a an assumption that everybody's going to all be fit together. The reason the squads the way squads are because that's not the case. So, and I think it kind of goes back to almost putting this defeat in a in a little bit of perspective. Without you know, you can acknowledge how poor they performed, but. You know, Burton have had a lot of continuity and you watch Burton and their levels are always the same because the personnel is so similar. And we're talking about a manager who wants his forwards to be interchangeable, to be flexible, to be fluid. Well, that takes time to develop because these players have got to develop the trust that if they do it and it doesn't come off, the manager's not going to kind of dig them out for it. They've got to learn about each other, about their movements. You don't just put four players on a pitch and... And it happens instantly, you know, these relationships and these understandings take time and it takes time to develop trust in in what you're doing. So it's not something that you can just build overnight. And I think, you know, as as I said, I've seen Burton four or five times over the last three seasons going back to covering Cardiff and they're always the same. They're always at the same level. And that's because they have proper continuity, which Sunderland just haven't had. And the scale of changes this summer you then add the injuries and the suspensions and what have you to that list you know it, it's been massive and it's going to take time to develop that instinctiveness that I think they may be lacking at the moment so I think to be where they are on the table yes we'd like them to have capitalized on that good start but I still think there's a lot to be positive about it's all about just staying in that picture isn't it and until later in the season and people have made the comparison to when we got promoted from the championship under Roy Keane, how the start of that season wasn't, well, obviously the first five games we lost all of them. Well, we didn't, we didn't really, it was the Derby County game that was the, the kicker. Yeah, and that was February, and we had that wasn't chef, it? No, no, was it February? Was it, no, 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 I'm thinking about the the home game against Derby. Yeah, it was yeah, February. I think about February, Derby. March, yeah. Wow, I didn't realise it was that Yeah, but that's what put a run, run together of about, what, 15, well, maybe bit less than 15 games but if we just keep ourselves in that picture and obviously if we obviously not everyone's going to stay fit but the majority of our players stay fit when you're playing those rapid fire games over Christmas that's when our strength and depth could really come into play with the sort of you know the, we've got a lot of options out wide we've got decent options in the middle the midfield as well um, and that's when we could start putting that if we just stay in yeah. that sort of like top eight sort of picture and then if you get through January and you're still there then you start building your momentum and I think didn't someone make the point that Wigan who got Wigan promoted had lost last two season, games and Blackburn lost three yeah they, they weren't yeah. running away with it at this point well, and the, it never usually is the case in the football league in any of the divisions is it it's the way I looked at that though was I was looking at the teams who were fourth and fifth and sixth fortunately 
I think it was only two teams. I think it might have been Blackpool and Bradford. I think Blackpool were up there. Could be wrong. But I think it was definitely just Bradford mm-hmm. and another who fell away from that top six yeah. picture of all the teams who were in that top six at the time. And obviously um, Blackburn and, and Wigan yeah. um, leapfrogged everybody in the end. So it's a good early indicator. We're going to be near the top of the league. Yeah. Like we have to be. Like we can't. We got to get the balance right between arrogance, um, and you know we are where we are. In the words of Chris Coleman, as he said, <laughs> he used to say all the time, um, "Yeah, we are, we are where we are." But we've got to approach it with with the squad we've got and everything we've got. We should, we should be top. If we don't finish top two, it'll be bad, yeah, bad season, absolutely. in my opinion. It will, it will be, and that's. But we're not just because we're not in the top two now. Doesn't yeah, mean it doesn't, that we're not it doesn't, be there it doesn't at the matter, end of matter the year. about being there now. Like I say, stay in the picture, peak at the right time. You know, I know yeah. it sounds a bit cliched, but it's true. Just keep getting results, keep winning games. Just hope this little sort of not even a spell. You know, we did play relatively well against Fleetwood. You know, I know we saved the penalty and everything. Oxford was just a mad game. We were terrible on Saturday, but let's just hope we come out the other side of that. Starting against, you know, we're at home to Rochdale. It's going to be another crowd of about 30,000 there. Then you go to Coventry yeah, where we're, we're going to be one, back with a massive Another 500 away tickets released, I yeah, think, for that exactly. today. So there's going to be about five, five and a half thousand at Coventry for and a TV a, game. And then a big home game against Peterborough after yeah. that. And Bradford following, you know, another one of the stronger teams in the well, league. Well, they've had a terrible, they, they've changed the manager and... And uh, they've had a terrible start. And Sorry, yeah, yeah like in, in terms lost, of yeah, reputation um, in the league. They've they lost again at the weekend. Did you see, I know it's a couple of weeks ago, but obviously I don't know if you saw what happened in the Blackpool game to them, which was... Uh, no. No, they were 2-0 up and uh, with about five minutes to go and lost 3-2. <laughs> Not last week, the week before, it was David Hopkins' first... Is it David Hopkins who's taking the job? Yeah. Or is it? He, yeah, yeah, it was his first game in charge. Lost, yeah. lost his 2-0 up. He's probably thinking, ah, oh, great start. Losing 3-2. <laughs> So yeah, that's um, you know they've not had a great start, but I think the Peter game, if we can get within a, within a result mm-hmm. of Peterborough by the time we mm-hmm. play Peterborough, um, because say we lost that game and we're two or three points behind, it, it, it or four points behind, it's seven points the gap on Peterborough. Then it's quite a big gap even at the early stages of the season. You want to try and keep those teams sort of close to you as close as you possibly Absolutely. can I think the gap's only four points to Peterborough five to to Portsmouth um, that's one thing worth I know Peterborough and Portsmouth played each yeah. other but we got quite lucky that teams around us yeah. didn't get results frustrating Walsall as well because you lost. also lost well Barnsley yes it lost. is it's yeah. frustrating on that score but at least those sort of teams who you are I know Walsall have been a bit of a surprise but you expect Barnsley mm. to do well having just came back down and you know Peterborough have had not spent a lot of money, but they've you know yeah. got a, they've got some decent players at that level in there, and sort of similar with Portsmouth as well. Portsmouth were quite unlucky in the end to miss out on the playoffs last season, so yeah. you're expecting those to be around there. So the fact that, like I said, I know it's kind of with Portsmouth and Peterborough playing each other, someone had to not get a result there, but at least they had that at the same mm. time, which keeps us just in that in the picture of the, the top sort of top eight of the league. And we've got two. Two more games, be ten games gone. So at the start, if we had, I'd be absolutely delighted if we had twenty points from mm-hmm. the first ten, because you know two points a game average probably is going to get you promoted. Um, fifteen at the minute. So we've got fifteen nice. two games. So we say we get four points in the next two games, nineteen points from ten games. You'd be absolutely. I don't yeah. think he could, given everything that's gone on over the summer, 
all the change and everything. I think that I know there's still some criticism about certain performances and things like that and systems and all that. But if you come out of ten games with nineteen points, eighteen, nineteen points, given everything, I think you know. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty, really miserable to start complaining at all. In my opinion, but you know, I'm sure there will be people out there who <laughs> will. But um, we'll leave it there. Remember, get your tickets for the game and you know get behind the lads against Rochdale. Um, the Jack Ross event that we have on the 18th of October sold out. So thanks to everybody who um, bought the tickets for that. Um, and we're, we're really looking forward to that. So it should be a canny night and we'll be back next Monday. Wait, I think Stephen's on it. Peacock on Saturday? Oh, yeah, um, yes, Peacock on Saturday. But um, I haven't sorted the guest out yet. I'm still, I'm but, waiting, but come along anyway. I'm waiting for a text. So if you're listening, person who I'm <laughs> trying to sort, I would text you today and you didn't reply. Um, text me back and let me know please because i'll be stressing out otherwise but uh, cheers to phil for coming along and joining us um frankly and the lads will be back on thursday night as well with the preview show um so thanks for listening and uh yeah see you next time <laughs>